episode uh, also clocks in as Lila is the most horrible thing ever. It's Lila versus everyone day at Dexter. Um, we've got some uh, some updates on Dexter and Rita's relationship and if there's any hope there. Uh, there is a little bit of police work where they attempt to do some more work on the Bay Harbor Butcher and uh, yeah mostly it's it's Lila versus everyone uh, what do you guys Ly- think of this Lila episode? Lila and Zach versus everyone Lila and Zach Lila and Zach versus everyone boy you know it uh, poor Lila she was just being tacked on all sides <laughs> yeah the, this episode was really good uh, it kind of gets Dexter back on track uh, and it really leaps forward with the Bay Harbor Butcher uh, case and you also get that wonderful showdown between Dexter and Lundy mm-hmm. yeah I liked this one uh, for as much as I didn't like the last one I, I think this one had a lot more going on a lot more tension a lot more build up much better Yep, I actually really did like this one a lot. Um, I thought it was a good follow-up to the the previous episode. Like, sometimes there's certain episodes that don't really follow well with one another, but I thought that this kind of just furthered everything. And yes, it does make Lila look a little less likable, but uh, overall, really solid episode. Just a little. <laughs> there's there's still, still things that she can do worse, so... That's always Can't wait. always surprising. Um, so let's start there. Uh, Dexter is tuning out Deb's rambling in his uh, his kitchen. Lila enters. She's been staying at Dexter's too since the fire. He refers to them as a snake and a mongoose in his kitchen because they are always fighting with one another. Dexter finds one of Cody's toys in his bag. Lila clocks it as Cody making excuses for Dexter. I have to visit more often. But Dexter thinks that's too devious for a seven-year-old. When her words were, he's trying to control you. That's his way of trying to control you. I hate her. She's awful. <laughs> he's seven. Her, God. Her it's, and, it's just something, it's a, it's a tactic she's graduated from. So she's just had enough of it. And she's like, oh, that shouldn't work anymore. I used to do that when I was six years old to get my mom to do things for me. Now I just set fires to get people to come to my apartment. <laughs> and it's obviously kicked forward a little bit because he says he's been she's been staying there since the fire. They've already conducted their investigation and they're repairing the fire damage. So it's obviously been a while. Her uh, Lila and Deb bickering and the look on Dexter's face, I half expected him to just go turn himself in. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's better than this. Yeah, put, like, put me in jail. At least he, it'll be quiet. He's not living his best life. You know, I felt I really felt bad for Lila because someone did drink all the coffee. <laughs> I mean, I hate that when someone. someone drinks all the coffee and you're like, excuse me, did someone drink all the coffee? And then just these snide remarks from Deb, uh, no, I had a cup and Dexter had a cup. And then someone, yeah, I was just like, you know, she's I a think guest. That com- 
Lila doesn't even live there. The, the conversation's so funny because they're actually just talking around the same thing, but they're actually communicating if they would just, like, settle down and listen. And she's like, someone drank all the coffee. And then Deb essentially says, yes, someone drank all the coffee. I had some. Dexter had some. You're right. Someone drank all the coffee. Yeah. Like, there's no if argument I didn't hate here. I Lila so much, that would have been a great scene, but I hate Lila too much to like anything <laughs> she does. Uh, Dexter goes over to Lila's to help her clean up her apartment. Lila says the insurance companies are still investigating. Dexter looks closer. The fire has multiple points of origin. Lila's pouty that Dexter won't stay with her. He says he has to go to work on the cases for tomorrow at home. And his voiceover tells us that he's suspicious of the fire. This scene... Really, Dexter? <laughs> really. This this scene killed me uh, because Lila does something that I just... I hate so much. Uh, whatever. She, she, that whatever. That passive-aggressive, dear God, whatever. Mm-hmm. Ugh! I, I almost built a table just to flip it. It was just... <laughs> it was so infuriating. Yeah. Well, that's not really a Lila thing either, I will say that. You know, she would have been pretty blunt and forward if she was frustrated. The whatever was so out of place. That's not something Lila would do. Yeah, exactly, Brooke. Thank you. Oh, It wasn't a compliment, Zach. I'm not complimenting her. <laughs> Don't twist that into a compliment for Lila. Well, I mean, it was she would have blown something up instead of saying whatever. Yeah. Well, it was her manipulating him, trying to make him feel bad. I feel like you should stop wearing that Team Lila shirt to all of our podcasts, Zach. (laughs) (laughs) I refuse. I've actually made multiples. I'm going to start selling them on eBay. Well, if you start thinking about tattoos, we need to talk. (laughs) Uh, We should have that talk, then. We need to have that talk. (laughs) Uh, He already has the tattoo. Dexter's back at his apartment, which looks weird, like they put a bunch of curtains over everything for some reason. Uh, Dexter tries to beg off with Lila, but she says she wants to come cheer him on and meet his friends at bowling. Then we see her throw her arms around Angel, celebrating Dexter bowling a mighty three. Uh, Lila says, I like to celebrate the little things. Masuka says, if you like little things, I'm your man. I mean, I'm not little everywhere. And Masuka's bowling ball is a clear acrylic with a skull inside. First thing I've ever liked about Masuka is bowling ball. That's it. Probably won't be another thing, but I liked his bowling ball. So yeah, just Lila all over everybody on this one. Lila and Masuka shared the screen together. This must have been horrible (laughs) for you, Brooke. Oh, I I think I actually passed out at some point. (laughs) So bad I went unconscious. Yeah, the two of them together are highly intoxicating. I understand why you would. Intoxicating or nauseating. Yeah, I found myself submissively urinating when I saw them together, so... I don't know. Uh, Dexter and Lila are walking to their car when Dexter's mom's killer attacks him with a knife. Lila dresses the wound with a bunch of butterfly bandages. Dexter reveals that it was Santos to Lila. And Lila tells Dexter that nothing he could ever do would scare her. He believes her. 
Dexter follows Santos, or he finds him and follows him into his car. They go deep into the Everglades and find that Santos' destination is a cabin. He goes inside and starts loading up cocaine. Dexter lures him outside and hits him with M99. Deb is having trouble trying to run down the license plate on the weirdo's notes. And Lila shows up at Miami Metro looking for Dexter. He told her he was working late, and Deb rubs it in her face and says, He's not working late. Oh, men are such pigs. The look of joy on her face when she was delivering that line was perfect. She was just relishing it. But this this scene, uh, when Dexter hits him with AM-99, that is the first time we've seen him do that since, like, what, episode two of this season? It's been a while. Yeah. Because he's been getting his help in his 12-step program. And the champagne. Yeah, well, you know. That's step 13. Not, uh, I wanted to mention, not a lot of security around that cocaine cabin. Um, I don't know about you guys, but if you have a cocaine cabin in the woods, you probably want a little bit more security around it. It was almost too easy for him to be like, do 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 I'm up to the window, now I'm at your truck, and now you're dead. It's like, I mean, that guy had... I, I would assume probably like 50 kilos. That's a lot of coke. Yeah. Just, yeah, just yeah I was expecting somebody to come around the corner. Like he had security that was hiding. It was going to cup up and Dexter was going to have a scuffle. I thought that would happen. But, you know, the cocaine dealers are just as bad as Miami Metro, apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. to to his credit, they're, it's Everglades. They, they have gators. You know, I mean, come on. And, and then he had a padlock on the door. Miami Metro is not going to get past that. <laughs> well, Miami Metro probably won't get past that. Just bad Coke business, that's all I'm saying. He could have probably yeah. had the Coke in his hand just like juggling it, and Miami Metro would have been like, this is fine. Uh, he had it on a backpack. He was like petting all the drug dogs on his way past. <laughs> So uh, Santos wakes up in the kill room, which has been set up in the cabin. He tells Dexter he's got cocaine and that he can have it. Dexter tapes his mouth shut and starts cutting him up with a chainsaw. Uh, When Rita and the kids get home, the door is unlocked. We see a dark shape move outside of Rita's view. It kind of looks like Lila. And Dexter finds a note within Santos' things with a copy of the note that Lila wrote on her wall. Rita calls and tells him about the open door. Dexter realizes his key to Rita's house is missing, tells Rita to leave the house and call the police. Dexter goes straight to Lila's and says, give me Rita's key. She reveals that she set him up with Santos. She wanted Dexter to come back to her. Dexter tells Lila to stay away from Rita and him, or she will see the monster. That's how the episode ends. Uh good on Dexter for using the chainsaw. I thought that was a choice, very choice weapon uh, killing method. I mean, obviously because, you know, calling back to his mother's gruesome death. So, like, I loved that. I really loved that. Yeah, and it's it's more uh, more proof that the show always chooses to like not it, it it always chooses to show us as little violence as is necessary because that could have been a justifiable 
Dexter torturing someone scene. Like, really getting his his uh, revenge, and they just don't go there. They just, it's like another one of those things where he puts the mask down and you see blood hit it, and that's about it. Half of me kind of felt cheated by that, actually, because... Based on the earlier scene, uh, I want to say it was like two or three episodes back between him and Santos, uh, there was so much emotion there from Dexter. I wanted to see that cathartic release. And and it just kind of comes back to him like leaning up against the wall covered in blood and you could tell that he had some sort of moment. And you just... The audience wasn't there for it. Yeah, I mean, him him being able to walk away from him the first time, when he had him and he could have killed him, that was a big development. And I think him not being emotional about getting rid of the guy is, is sort of, you know... This guy had his chance, and now he, he doesn't have it anymore, but I don't think Dexter is really as emotionally invested in getting rid of this guy so much as he is from a safety perspective that this guy followed him and tried to stab him, and uh, and then he finds out that it was Lila that facilitated that. So Because Lila's the worst. I just bring it up because um, a lot of people that don't watch the show think it's a lot more of a violent show than it is um, and honestly like the most violent thing that ever happens on this show is the opening theme that's, that's it yeah Zach is she, can you still defend her sending Santos after Dexter can you find a defense for Lila on this one Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> absolutely, you can. She, okay. Yeah, she she was just it, it's it's all a oh. test. It's all a part of the steps. It's all part of the recovery process, you know. And and if he's pulling away from the from the recovery process, uh, you need to instigate to to get them to come back. And so I think it was and, a, a really a stabbed. Yeah, it was a sponsor moment, cool. and uh, and you know things maybe got a little out of control. She knew he could handle it. She knows he's very capable of handling all those situations like that. So, you know, I think she's justified. She was just trying to get him back on track, pull him back in she's, to the program. She's sending him the message, you know, pardon my tits. That's, that's what she's trying to say in this episode. Exactly. At some point, it's going to require an intervention, I'm afraid. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, over at Rita's, the kids have mixed together a bunch of eggs and strawberries for breakfast. Rita leaves them with Dexter so she can get ready, but she tells him not to drop by anymore. Uh, she says it's Paul behavior and it's too hard on her and the kids. And then uh, later, Cody tries to talk Rita into asking Dexter to come over in the morning. Aster says that Dexter and Rita don't love each other anymore, and Cody does not tell Rita that it's all her fault. Which which uh. is growth. <laughs> that is true. Cody. That is true. It's like this Cody's really setting himself apart. I like it. On the yeah, just I was just saying, just a lot of boring kid stuff. We could skip over this part. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk more about Lila being naked. 
Thank you. <laughs> she wasn't naked in this and, episode. And quiet. <laughs> no. Brooke. And quiet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, on the Bay Harbor Butcher front, uh, Lundy has enlisted outside help to investigate all of the cases independently because someone in law enforcement, possibly at Miami Metro, is the killer. Lundy gives Dexter a list of cases he wants to review with him. Dexter's plan is backfired. He's narrowed the focus down on himself. So, there's only really one flaw in Lundy's theory. And, I mean, yeah, granted, we already know that Dexter's the Bay Harbor Butcher, but he thinks that somebody at Miami Metro is capable of all of this. And, and they're all just such failures. Yeah. I mean, there's Dokes. Uh, Dokes could kill some people. There (laughs) was Dokes. Dokes is gone, motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Lundy may or may not be showing dominance with tea and crackers. Uh, As he's talking to Dexter, he asks if Deb prefers meat or fish, and then he has drilled into a case that Dexter blew the blood work on purpose to letting a man go free. Dexter floods, floods Lundy with a bunch of doublespeak, which Lundy sees right through. Dexter's nervous, the camera's up in his face. Deb asks about a guy named Lenny Asher while she's talking to Angel. She's carved a, She has a carved wooden gator pen. I just had to include that for some reason. Uh, Deb and Angel go to talk to Lenny. He's a hoarder. His shotgun-style apartment is piled high with boxes. And Lenny has taken nonstop notes of what happens outside his window. Deb asks for a specific date. Back at Miami Metro, Dexter's nervous about Deb looking into the file. It was one of his victims. So this scene between Dexter and Lundy, oh, such a good scene. Such a good scene. Like, you've been waiting for it since Lundy showed up. Um... And it just, it lived up to everything I wanted it to be. Like, Lundy just grilled him. It was great. Yeah, I, I also really love this scene just because the way the, the manipulation continues to grow. It's not just Lila. It's not just Dexter. It's Lundy as well. Like, this whole season is about manipulation in so many ways. And I mean, like, maybe overall the whole... The show of Dexter could be kind of summed up to that degree, but I just love how each person's manipulating each other in different ways, and it, it's just this cat and mouse game that's constantly being played. And then, of course, to throw in like the the dead prefer meat or fish thing, and like Dexter just doesn't even understand it. Like out of left field, it's like the T's throwing him off, the dead things throwing him off. It was so like fun to watch these moments uh, between these two characters. Well, it's rare that, that Dexter is uh, facing off with somebody who is just as smart as he is. And, you know, we don't see him cornered very often where he can't manipulate his way out because he's very good at speaking and talking his way out of things. And this time he was really pretty cornered because Lundy is, is on Dexter's level, just on a different side. Another thing you pick up from this scene is Dexter's not always been strict to the code um you know he makes a big deal about not killing people early in season one and 
uh, early in season two because they don't fit the code or you know they're they're going to jail or or whatnot. This episode, you actually find out that he has purposely blown case cases just so he can kill somebody. Yeah, because the the legal punishment that that person's getting is not doesn't work for what they've done. Like they're not able to. Dexter knows more about what the person's done and has the evidence for it. Whereas if it's, you know, a court case or a trial, they they may not have enough to to get by with it. That was kind of the way I was reading that. Yeah, I guess I'm okay with that. You know, like it doesn't... I mean, he, he's a vigilante to some degree, so I wasn't... Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, well, of course he would just flub up cases. I mean, it's Miami Metro. The court system can't be that much better. So yeah. if he's gonna throw crap into the in the cases where it's gonna you know get get the person exonerated and then that gives him the ability to to take out the trash, then I don't know. I'm very pro Dexter as well in terms of his <laughs> philosophies. Like get rid of those <laughs> douchebags. I just thought it opened up a new look at the character because up to this point you figure that like oh well you know if if they've got the evidence to put him away then wonderful but if they escape justice then at that point he's taking them out but in this one you see that he's the reason they escape justice and he takes them out yeah as long as they're dead I don't care (laughs) I feel like this is changing Zach (laughs) <laughs> this whole process is changing Zach as a person. It's gone too deep. It's it's that Lila influence. Uh, We're seeing it live in real time, what Lila can do. Can't wait to get to the John Lithgow season. <laughs> uh, Deb and Angel are looking through the guy's notes, and they find a description of someone moving the body. Deb tracks down the license plate to some random guy from Georgia, She's sure that that's the Bay Harbor Butcher until she realizes he's been in jail since before the disappearance and that the car was seized by Miami Metro. Angel reveals that Miami Metro does not keep records of who logs the cars in and out for long because only law enforcement has access to them. So why bother keep records? They don't keep records of their weapons. Why would they keep records of their cars? Yeah, and they don't protect their, like, giant tent of dead dudes. So, well, I mean, Dexter was able to get uh, like tranks and things from the police armory without a second glance, and never did we see him oh, sign yeah. those out. <laughs> they were just like, "Here, take this." Yeah, that was just like the weapon shop in a video game. It's like, <laughs> would you care for some of these, sir? No questions asked. Just here you go. We'll be throwing a few grenades. Why not? So now Deb is convinced that the Bay Harbor Butcher is in law enforcement and Lundy and asks Deb and Angel not to tell anybody else yet. And Sad Tista makes his return as he says he is going to tell his secrets to a bottle of scotch. Yes. He sure does. So good. He sure does. He's going to go sing some song, song blue and uh, drink his troubles away. So that just leaves us with uh, with Dokes, 
Uh, Dokes meets up with LaGuerta. They're discussing his upcoming hearing about how he attacked Dexter in last episode. Dokes says, my father was a butcher. Maybe I'll open up my own butcher shop. And LaGuerta offers to get Dokes an interview with a private security contract. Contact, so he seems interested in that. Um, LaGuerta set up the meeting for 9 p.m. that night. Dokes heads in to talk to Lundy, finds out that the Rodrigo case was lost over bad blood work, and leaves telling Lundy we're done. So, Dokes' interview with uh, Lundy is just as disastrous as Dexter's, but it's much shorter. (laughs) He just cuts to the chase and walks out on him. I just love the body language of that scene. He He's clearly just pissed about being there. And then he finds out about the bad blood work. He's like, we're done here? We're done. <laughs> and just walks out. It's great. Uh, he stands up. LaGuerta and her contact at the meeting. Instead, he breaks into Dexter's apartment. And inside Dexter's apartment, he finds the blood slides inside the air conditioner. So, and that's how that's how that uh, that plot line ends so Dokes now has uh, he pretty much has Dexter dead to rights with the with the blood slides but the only way he could do that is to just uh, prove that the DNA matches the DNA of the other the victims right that the Bay Harbor butcher I mean that's because uh, otherwise you're just looking at a bunch of blood slides it's a guy who works in blood I mean, you have to kind of, he's doing some legwork, you know? Yeah. No, there's still work to do, but I mean, that is that is the smoking gun for Dexter. You know, that is the thing that... The physical evidence that he has that he wants to keep away from everybody. Right, because it doesn't say that people's names on the slides or anything. It's just purely the DNA itself. So there's... Yeah. Yeah, they'd have to... Uh, but then also, then it's like, oh, but how did you get this? Ah, oh, broke into the motherfucker's apartment, you know? Like, it's right. just like, well, okay, well, you're also under arrest for breaking and entering, which is a felony. So, I mean, it's a whole rigmarole. There's a lot of people going to be going to jail for this, or people dying, one or the other. Yeah, I mean, if he takes it to the police, they can't use it at all at trial, so it it's, like, completely wasted on them, and so... So what can he do is the question. Um, yeah. You know, does he go to LaGuerta and try and get a warrant through her to go back and find him the right way? Or does he send him in anonymously? It's Well, remember, you, you actually see him find them, but does it show him leave with them? Or, is no. it, or are we just assuming that? No, it doesn't show him leave. Yeah. I mean, I guess he could find it and say, hey, we need to look at his apartment. I don't know how he would get that going. But he does have some options. I think he's too angry to be sensible with his plan. I don't remember how how this plays out, but I just just think it's so dokes. He's so angry that he's not going to really think it through is my yeah my thinking anyway i think it's miraculous that he's at dexter's apartner at his apartment and neither dexter deb or lila are there like he manages to find like one time of day that he can go in by himself that 10 minute window that it's not 
Yeah. Okay, and that just leaves uh, Deb and Lundy, the the continuing love story from last episode. Uh, Lundy asks Deb out formally. She's thrilled. Uh, Deb has found an apartment and is planning to move out soon. She tells Dexter that she has a date with Lundy. Dexter tells Deb that he knows her well enough to know that she wouldn't sleep her way to the top. Deb calls him a douche. Deb says, you're not allowed to comment as long as you're seeing Miss Pardon My Tits. I'm sorry, Dexter, but she's gross. I agree. Uh, Deb says... (laughs) Deb says she's a gross English titty vampire. Dexter says, you just described the perfect woman. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a candidate for best line. Gross titty vampire. I'm sorry, gross English titty vampire. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did a bunch of Google searching after I heard that combination. Um, I bet you found some good stuff on Google under that. <laughs> he, he can explain the female stuff. I can. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, you can. Yeah. Uh, Deb arrives at Lundy's apartment. He's cooking for her, hence the best restaurant in Miami. Deb says, don't expect me to return the favor unless you like toast. Lundy says, I would love to eat your toast. I think he was being sincere. Like he, if she made him real toast, he would love to eat that toast because he needs more, like whole grains in his diet. <laughs> he's more fiber because he's an old man. He's got that yeah. plaque in his arteries that he was talking about. He's got to deal with all this stuff. He gets he got that Ezekiel bread. He's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Kind of going back a little bit to Dexter saying, I know you wouldn't sleep to the, your way to the top. And mm-hmm. that Deb is so stupid that she does not even realize that people will say that about the situation. And it isn't even in her wheelhouse to think that way. And and also, it just doesn't seem like something Lundy would do. It doesn't fit the character to me that he would would sleep with a, a, somebody beneath him in, in staff. But I know it's for the show, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, they're on a joint task force, so she's she's a local police detective, and he's a federal agent. It's like, he's like nine, ten levels ahead of her. Um, yeah, that's such a conflict. Yeah. And he's so professional, I don't, I don't buy that relationship at all for that reason. It doesn't fit with his character. Her character, yeah, because we know she's an idiot, but... Yeah, and him being interested in her in more of a paternal way is fine i think that makes sense but um i think he just kind of goes along with it i don't feel like he has a lot of a lot of agency or motive in starting their relationship i think he just kind of accepts that that's what she wants and doesn't say no i guess Oh, but it was so cringy on their date. He like spanked her, and they were talking dirty, and it was so uncomfortable. Yes, <laughs> the I mean, way they were talking dirty. To this. The way yeah. they were talking dirty was what killed it because she's like, "Oh, you're like my dad," and I was like, "Oh God, <laughs> who yeah, says that?" Just and like you said, it was like this. It was kind of a fatherly relationship. He was taking her under his wing, then all of a sudden this hard left into this weird relationship, and now they're being sexual, and... 
Yeah, I mean, I, he, he was giving her, like, dating advice and stuff before, but again, I, it felt to me like that was a safe thing for them to do. Um, hashtag not, not anymore, but, um, like, that was a safe thing for them to do because there wasn't any, like, there wasn't any way that they were going to date based on all of these factors. They weren't going to date because of the age difference, they weren't going to date because of the, the work conflict... And so, Deb being overly oversharing, you know, her relationship problems seemed like more of a, a platonic friendship conversation rather than a, because um, it's not like Lundy was grooming her with his answers. Like he wasn't telling her what to look for and then being that person, like basically setting yeah. himself up for. To, to be next in line or whatever, but uh, yeah, it does it does just come out of nowhere, and I don't remember ever uh, quite liking their relationship being being a thing. It kind of makes me think less of Lundy, and uh, and that's about it. Yeah, and what it was like you said, it was just it was just like they had had built it up like okay, we're gonna build this as like a mentoring relationship, and he's going to be this paternal figure to take the place of Harry who died when she was so young, and it's gonna be this really supportive friendship, and he's gonna build her up in her career and build her up as a human being. Then all of a sudden, it's like the writers just decided, you know what? Let's just let's just have them start sleeping together which with no direction at all yeah which which brings back a really uncomfortable line now in retrospect which is uh there was that time that angel said to her if i were 10 years younger and she said i'd be in high school right <laughs> that was too much of an age difference but lundy who's 30 years older than you perfectly fine yeah i think age is just a number you know <laughs> We're not think, talking about Lila. I don't know why you're defending this. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I, I hear you. Uh, but, you know, Lundy, he's a, he's a charismatic guy. Uh, women, again, are attracted to him because he's a cult leader. And I think if, you know, he asked me to peel his potatoes, I would be down. I would, I would, I would just jump on those potatoes 100%. Um, Wash you know, would you eat his toast is the question. Not... Would you eat his toast? Oh, I would totally... I would butter that bread. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely I mean, the masuka. <laughs> I feel like... So what? He's an older guy. Yeah, there's a big age discrepancy. But, like, you know, old people got to have love, too. Uh, it, not everything stops working at a certain age. And uh, he's just trying to prove it, you know? Get his last hurrah in. Or whatever, and some people that's a kink, you know. Some people they like uh, they like that whole um, huge age gap, and uh, uh, maybe Deb's onto something. She's op- she's unlocking doors she's never been through before. Maybe Lundy too. I don't know. I'm defending everybody tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Devil's advocate in every situation. That's yeah, fun. <laughs> <laughs> Well, this one was directed by Keith Gordon. Uh, he previously directed A Midnight Clear uh, on Dexter. This is his first, uh, uh, or sorry, his second of two this season. He also directed uh, the episode Truth Be Told last season. 
and he's gone on to direct on Homeland, uh, the Leftovers series, and the Fargo TV series. The writer was Scott Buck, who has previously worked on Six Feet Under, Rome, Everybody Loves Raymond, Coach, and the Oblongs. And Scott Buck goes on to become the showrunner for uh, season six through eight. This was his uh, second episode. He wrote a total of three episodes each for season two through five and two each for six through eight. And after Dexter, he wrote and created the Marvel Netflix Inhumans miniseries as well as Iron Fist. That makes sense. So Good old Scott Buck. Yeah. Scott Buck. Yep, the more involved he gets, the the further down the rabbit hole we go. So, uh, what was the best line of the episode? A gross English titty vampire. English titty vampire. That's the best uh, one, huh? <laughs> I went with the I, best. I, I went with the toast. I would love to eat your toast. I would love to eat your toast. That was your your best? That was your yeah. best? Because oh, yeah. you wouldn't pick the one that was talking against Lila. Okay. <laughs> uh, how about worst line of the episode? I would love to eat your toast. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Uh, I did because uh, you're like a retarded puppy. <laughs> but, that's a bad one. Yeah, but I mean, come on. Anytime anyone uses that word, in a, I think that's the worst thing. Like, you're saying awful things, like Batista says the, that to I, I remember that line. Oh, she said that to Masuka. Yeah. Yeah, because Masuka's talking whatever in the bowling alley, and then he's in, he says that to him. And I was like, ugh, Batista, come on. Yeah, I expect better from Batista. Yeah, see? So I had real good justification because the R word is not to be used lightly. Agreed. <laughs> oh, Worst line of the episode for me, whatever, by Lila. Sure, <laughs> whatever. Ugh. Just, just, ugh. Uh, performance of the episode, slash non-Michael C. Hall performance of the episode, <laughs> since we give it to him every time. Well, I know what you all think I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Grandpa on this one. I mean Lundy. I'm gonna give it to Lundy on this one because uh, uh, I I just like the way that he grilled Dexter. I like the way that he presents himself, and even with the creepy father daughter thing that he's doing with Deb, I still think he's he's a great uh, performance. Yeah, Lundy gets it for me as well, just because of the uh, interrogations or the questioning of Dexter, and also with Dokes. There's so uh, this episode was so laser focused on certain characters that there wasn't much time for anybody else to shine. So I've kind of got to give it to Lundy. All right. Well, that all makes sense to me. Um, that'll do it for season two, episode eight. Uh, thanks, guys, for helping me with the podcast and talking through uh, all of this insanity. And thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. We'll see you in the next.